the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Let us welcome those who are listening to us right now on Let Us Reason. Uh, this is Al Fadi, and I want to thank you, of course, for being a part of our team, for uh, praying for us, for partnering with us. As always, we encourage you to go and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sira International. And we also um, uh, make an appeal to you to subscribe uh, to Patreon, become a patron. And uh, we pray that you will consider giving as little as $1 as much as much as the Lord put in your heart. I mean, to us, we use that to help us with anything related to the media work that we're doing, whether the YouTube videos or the radio. We launched also recently a brand new radio segment. It's 90-second vignettes. We called it Light Moment, where we would take a verse and we will give a fact or truth that comes from that verse, basically. We started it with at least um, six different uh, spots, and we talked about, believe it or not, socialism, a topic that has been hot lately on the news, and we wanted to focus on socialism from a biblical perspective, well, not from a political standpoint. We can care less about politics. The Lord is in charge. He is the King of Kings. He's the one who appoints kings and governments, and the government are just a tool in his hand. But we want to know what does the Bible teaches about these kind of ideologies, and it's very important for us to understand this. I gave you a reason in the last episode, basically, that the apostles also uh, declared him to be divine, and that's by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let us look at a passage here on the screen from 1 Peter 3.15. First uh, Peter 3.15, saying the following, but sanctify Christ as Lord. You know, this is one of the greatest passages that talks about apologetics, by the way, defending the faith. He's saying, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready. And this particular always, by the way, you know, always uh, overwhelms me. The reason why I get overwhelmed by it is like we're expected to always be prepared to defend our faith. And I'm saddened to say that everywhere I go these, uh, these days to churches, not a whole lot of people, youngsters in this matter, are equipped to defend the faith. And I pray that many disciples will rise and take care of these precious souls that could be tossed right and left by the foes, by the ideologies, by the fake teachings and the false teachers. We need to always be ready being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Notice Christ as Lord 
is how we are to sanctify Christ, how we are to set him apart in our own hearts. Let's look at another passage in John 7 verse 5. For not even his brothers were believing in him, right? It's talking about Jesus. His brothers didn't believe in him, and later James declared him to be the Lord of glory. What an amazing thing indeed. Look what James says, one of his brothers. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism, right? You have to believe in him, not just as a favoritism, but you have to believe and have faith in him as Lord, as the Lord of glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood, uh, understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That includes Satan and demons also, not just humans as well, not just religious leaders, not just uh, worldly leaders. They all conspired basically to uh, get Jesus crucified and killed. The Lord of glory, that's his description, crucified the Lord of glory. That's how basically Paul introduces our Lord in this account. I'm going to look at another one. From Psalms 24, verses 7 and 8, we read, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come. Uh, um, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The author asked this question. The Psalms asked this question. Here's the answer. He answers himself, The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. Hallelujah. That's our Lord Jesus Christ that received this honor, this title. Remember, it is James who is half-brother of our Lord. He's a Jew. Paul, who's a Jew, both called him the Lord of glory. They should know better unless that's the truth. Because as Jews, they would have considered this title to be to God only. Yet James didn't consider it to be something that is blasphemous to describe it to our Lord Jesus Christ. Nor did Paul, who has described himself as a Pharisee of Pharisees. Look in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 13. The Lord saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. All of these are titled ascribed to Yahweh in Old Testament. You just go to uh, the book of Isaiah and read from chapters 42 all the way to uh, chapter 48. And you'll see these descriptions ascribed to Yahweh himself. In Revelations chapter 1 verse 8 we read, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is description of God himself. And then Jesus proceeded in the book of Revelation to describe himself this way. When I saw him, that's John, looking at Jesus in his glorious uh, appearance, he said, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one, and I was dead. That's interesting. I love this passage with Jehovah Witness. I was dead, and behold... I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Now, that's extremely crucial for us, by the way, to pay attention to those 
kind of descriptions. I'm going to show you now in Old Testament, for instance, in Isaiah 44, verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Now notice, you have, thus does the, uh, the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer. Two persons now, okay? The Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last, and there is no God beside me. One God, two distinct persons in this case. That is absolutely amazing. And people tell me that the, old, the Bible doesn't talk about the Trinity, that there is nothing in the Old Testament. They call it, my Muslim friend, they call it Pauline Christianity. Oh, police, okay? There is no such thing as a Pauline Christianity. I don't know where you come up with these ideas. You need to stop reading uh, a lot of these babbles on, uh, you know, on, uh, on the website or maybe liberal scholars that call, come up with these terminologies. I mean, some scholars don't call it Pauline Christianity because they're claiming that Paul is the inventor of Christianity. They're just describing the style of Paul, just like they describe the style of Luke, just like they describe the style of Peter and the style of Matthew and so on and so forth. So you have to really look at it in context, please, you know. And, and it's, it's so amazing to me, by the way, folks. And if there's a Muslim here, please chime in. Why is it that our Muslim friends know more about the Bible than they know about the Quran? That is absolutely a miracle in and of itself, actually. By the way, your knowledge of the Bible is very shallow, actually. Because you take things out of context. So don't, take it, don't think that I'm really complimenting you on trying to quote the Bible. Nevertheless, it will be shame on us not to correct these mis misrepresentations. I mean, today I had this uh, kind conversation with a person who attacked me simply because I'm refuting what they're saying. And they said, oh, I have to be gentle. They're part of a group, they said, called the Christian Muslim Peaceful Dialogue. Well, you know what? I'm not here really to pacify the truth. If you share, share anything that is not true, you are going to get pushed back. I'm sorry. I mean, we are not going to really let it slide just because we want to have a peaceful dialogue. I don't know what that means even, to have a peaceful dialogue. If not, we're not going to share basically the truth anyway. It's all about the truth. Always be ready. That's what it's all about. And that's what we want to do. Uh, please... Make sure you send us, of course, your comments and your questions. We are going to continue, of course. This is, if you're joining us right now on Let Us Reason, this is a special episode of our radio show, Let Us Reason, because it's being aired right now also as a Facebook Live and later will be part of our YouTube video series. And it will be part of a series that we have titled Biblical Reasons Why Jesus is God. And we're talking about one of the reasons that the apostles themselves identified Jesus as God as attributed to him, title, divine titles that are attributed to Yahweh in the Old Testament. For instance, in Isaiah 44, verse 6, we read, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and there is no God beside me. And that's one of those things that were attributed to Christ, the fact that he is uh, the Lord, that He is the Redeemer, that He is basically the first and the last, and He is also called the King of Glory. Look at what the author of Book of Hebrews says, for instance, about our Lord. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days He's spoken to us in His Son, literally appearing in the Son as the ultimate revelation. 
whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. That is amazing. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things, sustains all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. And we continue on. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And the firstborn, by the way, here is describing his place of authority and his preeminence. And you can look, of course, one of those shows in this series, Biblical Reasons Why Jesus is God. We talked about this in more uh, more in-depth, I should say. And we showed from the Old Testament how David was described this way, how Jacob was also took the place of the firstborn, how the young son of Joseph basically has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim was considered to basically... Uh, uh, the young one, I should say, out of the two, was considered to be the firstborn during the blessings of their grandfather Jacob. And the list can go on and on and on and on. Now, we want to continue from the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, describing Jesus this way. And he says, And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels winds and his ministers, his messengers, a flame of fire? But of the Son, that's Jesus, he says, your throne, O God, this is God, Yahweh, this is the Father speaking to the Son, saying, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of His kingdom. Now, why is this crucial? This is God the Father speaking to God the Son, describing Him this way. We have another example in Psalm 110.1, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, and I will make your enemies footstool to, at your feet. And David said this, by the way, and Jesus used this as an example about his divinity. Example, you go to Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 to 40, uh, 44. I'm going by memory right now here. So, uh, you know, basically, uh, wait, a, wait a minute here. Stay with me. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 to 40, uh, 44, the Lord in chapter uh, 22 of Matthew been asked three questions already by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and also the teachers of the law. Now it was his turn to ask a question. He turned to them and says, Whose son is the Christ? Notice the question. He didn't say who is the Christ. He says, Whose son is the Christ? And they said, you know, he is the descendant of David or he is the son of David, basically. He is from the lineage of David, right? Then he uh, sends, uh, looks at him and says, Well, that's not true. I'm paraphrasing here. For David by the Spirit basically called him Lord. And then he quotes basically when he says, uh, for David says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand. He says, David, if David calls him Lord, then how can David be basically his uh, uh, progenitor? Well, he, his father, technically speaking, how can he be a descendant of David? In other words, yes, he is descendant in the flesh, but he preexisted before David, before creation, before everything. 
That's the kind of things that we need to focus on all the time. Continuing on with Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. It is a rich passage, by the way. You have loved righteousness, hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, now God is speaking to God. The God the Father is speaking to God's Son. They saying to him, therefore, God, this God here is in reference to Jesus. Your God, basically in reference to Yahweh, in reference to the Father, has anointed you. With the oil of gladness above your companions and you, Lord, calling him Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. What an amazing descriptions of our Lord Jesus Christ, basically. I'm going to pause for a second. I want to take a look and see if anyone has any questions for me. If Sam was sitting here or David, you guys will be asking questions all the time. But of course... Since Al-Fadi is talking right now, no one wants to bother and ask questions. That's okay. I still love you. So we're going to scroll up and down and see if there's anyone uh, that is asking us any questions here. And uh, I'm being told that uh, no dice and we're not gambling. Um, what's, what's an exegesis? Oh, okay. Well, that's a great question. Um, exegesis is basically the study of interpreting the scripture. And really, it has a number of elements. Of course, we have to take culture into account, context into account, content into account, and we have to correlate that meaning related to other parts of the Scripture for uh, Scripture interprets Scriptures, basically. And then out of all of this, we take the application into our life. That's how a sermon put together. Now, watch out for something called eisegesis. Eisegesis, when you, take th- when you put things into the scripture and force your own ideology or bad theology or false teachings into something. But exegesis is taking things out of the scripture. Okay, so that's extremely important. Now, somebody uh, is Mary. Thank you, Mary. Uh, Hopefully the weather where you at is not snowing anymore. Uh, Mary saying an exegesis is the exposition or should say the explanation of the text. Uh, He's talking about based on very careful and objective analysis. Beautiful. That's pretty much uh, basically what it means. So thank you for all of you for your contribution. Now, since you guys are haters and you want to ask me any questions, I'm just going to keep on going, basically. And you're going to regret that I'm not giving you a chance anymore. No, I'll give you a chance. I'll pause for the last few minutes to give you a chance. And then I'll come back at 5 o'clock Eastern Time. And I'm going to do another live show right here on Facebook. Tomorrow, David Wood will be with us here. And we will do at least two live shows. Possibly we'll do another one to Let Us Reason on Facebook. And then we'll do one on YouTube. We haven't decided yet if it is his YouTube channel or mine. We'll strategize and come up with a better plan. I'm going to show you another passage from Psalm 45 verses 6 to 7. If you're joining us right now, this is Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al-Fadi, and we are doing a show live on Facebook right now and also is recorded to become part of a video series on our YouTube channel, Sira International. And this series is called Biblical Reasons Why Jesus is Divine or Why Jesus is God. This reason that we're going through We went through, if you're a Let Us Reason listener, last week you would have listened to me talking about one of the reasons that the apostles called him him God. 
Today is part two of that reason, which is why the apostles, uh, basically why Jesus is God, that the apostles are calling him this way, or the scripture, or the prophets and the writers of the scripture are calling him God. In Psalm 45, verses 6 to 7, we read, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. The point here is that I wanted to show you that the author of Hebrews applied these principles. He quoted these passages from the Old Testament and applied it to Christ himself. In Psalm 102, verse 25, that you see in front of you on the screen if you're watching us on Facebook Live or if you will be watching us later on YouTube channel, which is Sierra International. Psalm 102, verse 25 says, Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. That is amazing because that's the way Jesus is described in Colossians 1.16, in John 1.3, and uh, also in other parts of the scripture that he is the maker of all things. Let's look at Acts chapter 2 verse 30. Acts chapter 2 verse 30. It reads, And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God has sworn to him with an oath, to seat one of his descendants on his throne, speaking basically of David, that he believed that God is going to seat one of his descendants on his throne forever, and that descendant is no other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who proved to the Pharisees in Matthew 22, 41-44, Matthew chapter 22, verses 41-44, to that the, the Christ that David was speaking about in Psalm 110, 1, is the God, the Lord of David. And he's the one that will be seated on the throne of David forever and ever. Uh, I have at least uh, probably one and a half minutes left. Uh, I'll take the time while if you want to send me any questions to remind our listeners on Let Us Reason to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sira International, and to become a Patreon patron if the Lord puts it in your heart. By doing this, you can give to these video projects and the media. You can give as little as $1, believe it or not, or as much as the Lord put in your heart. These are great ways to help us, to support us, to allow us to raise funding. And uh, that way we can utilize it as well to continue to contribute uh, uh, to our media side of the ministry. And, um, you know, if uh, you are, uh, you know, watching us like right now on Facebook, please make sure you share our post uh, with others on other groups. Uh, you know that many of our Muslim friends, sadly, they come in to try to troll. I have a strict policies. I allow them, uh, you know, uh, just to stay there for a while. But then after that, uh, they either have to adhere to our policies or they will be challenged or blocked depending on their infringement. And that's why we need more voices. We need you to uh, basically blast out all of these um, posts that we have so that many of you will have the benefit of engaging others as well with these discussions because it's not for us, but it's for them to benefit from these kind of challenges that we have or the posts that we have because we want them to come to Jesus, come home, and follow the truth that is found in Christ himself. Now, as I have always been, uh, as I've said to you, I should say, from the beginning of this uh, show and even last, uh, last show, that we will come back again today, today, which is uh, basically March 9th, today, at 
5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to do another live show on Facebook. We most likely will, will split it into two segments for our Let Us Reason show. If you're joining us, this is Al Fadi, and I want to thank you, of course, for taking the time to be with us today. May the Lord bless you richly.